Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast, a platform for women in agriculture, ranching, homesteading, and more to share their stories. I'm your host, Caitlin Dubin. This week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast is brought to you by our two newest patrons, Jenna and Colleen. These ladies now get to enjoy all the great perks of being part of the Rural Woman Podcast gang at the I'm a Fan tier, which include access to the patron-only feed, exclusive promo codes for Shop Wild Rose Farmer, patron gang status over on wildrosefarmer.com, plus ad-free listening on Patreon. You can join Jenna, Colleen, and the rest of the gangs supporting the stories of women in agriculture to be shared through the World Woman podcast starting at $2 a month. Head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more about how you can become a patron through Patreon. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. This week, you'll meet Charlotte Wasilic. Charlotte grew up on and lives at Chatworth Farm, a mixed farm near Vermilion, Alberta, which was started by her parents. They raise a mixture of beef cattle, sheep, chickens, geese, ducks, turkeys, and grow grain and legume crops. Chatworth Farm practices sustainable farming methods and often sells products from the farm gate directly to consumers. Charlotte is passionate about egg education and loves to get people excited about the farm through virtual and in-person farm tours. She is also incorporating events into the farm that highlight local foods and how their farm operates. I am very excited for you guys to meet Charlotte from Chatworth Farm. She is my neighbor to the north here in Alberta and is full of so many great ideas. So if you don't already take notes or at least mental notes when you listen to these podcasts, make sure you do for this one because Charlotte has so many great ideas of how you can incorporate the public into your farming practices and share the good word of agriculture of what you guys all do on your farms, ranches, or homesteads. So very excited to dig into today's topics with Charlotte. Before we get there, let's go over our review of the week. This week's review comes from Swain Family via Apple Podcasts up here in Canada. This week's five-star rating and review says, thank you so much for this podcast. We are a young family who left the city. We are millennials that made the change to raise our own children on a small farm. We feel so validated in our journey of being first-timers and your podcast gives us the confidence every time we listen to it to keep going. You show us that although we are young, we are strong and we can do this. I love that your guests are honest and that we hear the good and the bad. Your podcast gives such a wide area of topics and authentic guests that I feel I have now new friends every time I listen. We can do this and we can grow agriculture together. Oh, thank you so much for that kind rating and review. That gets me a little misty here. <laughs> I love that I am able to share the incredible stories of women in agriculture and these reviews just make it all worth it. To me. So thank you so much for your kind rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. And my friends, if you are enjoying the show, please consider leaving a rating and review wherever you listen to the show and you can hear your kind words on an upcoming episode. Without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's episode with Charlotte. Hi, Charlotte. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks, Caitlin. How are you? 
I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for joining me on the Rural Woman podcast today. I'm very excited to get to know you better and to share your story with my audience. Thank you. I'm so excited to be on it too. I listen to your podcast all the time, but especially when I'm washing eggs. So I set up my phone and I turn the volume way up and I just listen to the podcast and wash away. That's awesome. That's perfect time to listen to a podcast. (laughs) Typically, I'm listening to them either while I'm driving or I'm avoiding doing housework. So that's also a great time (laughs) to listen to a podcast. (laughs) Well, like I said, I'm excited to get to know you better. We've been friends over on the Instagram for a while now, and we are actually, you're my neighbor to the north in Alberta. So Tell the listeners more about you and who you are, where you're from, and how you got your start in agriculture. Hello, everyone. My name is Charlotte Wasilic, and I am a second-generation farmer at our farm, Chatsworth Farm, which is located two and a half hours east of Edmonton, near Vermilion. And my family has a mixed farm, so we have uh, cattle, sheep. Uh, I have a ever-expanding flock of poultry. Uh, we are cat farmers, and we have our livestock guardian dog, Lizzie. And we run about uh, 500 total head of cattle, mostly commercial. And then my brothers have a smaller herd of purebred Black Angus and Simmentals. And we do a lot of farm gate sales. We don't do any farmer's markets at the moment, but have been quite busy with just selling from our backyard and making deliveries to Vermilion as well as to Edmonton. I got my start in agriculture just from being brought up on our farm. My dad started it in 1994 and the name Chapsworth comes from the one room schoolhouse that is just up the road from us. We can see it from our living room window And uh, once my mom, she's actually from New York City, once she moved over here, her dream was always to live on a farm and be involved in everything that makes up a farm. So she was more than happy to raise her kids here rather than in New York City. So we had the wonderful opportunity, my brothers and I, to spend all of our youth and we were homeschooled. So we got to spend a lot of time here on the farm and we were in 4-H. So that gave us the opportunity to learn to do by doing as the 4-H motto is. And we were in the beef club locally as well as the outdoor club. And I was in the baking club for a short time. That is very cool. I didn't know your mom was from New York City, and that is probably yes. a whole other story. I could probably interview her about this, of how she you came could, from New York yeah. City to Vermilion, Alberta. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it really is a whole nother story. She came over for my dad's sister's wedding, and at the time, my dad wasn't seeing anyone, and they were sort of forced together to go pick up flowers for the wedding and go do all these extra activities that probably weren't necessary, but got them doing things together. And one of the things that my dad showed her was he was busy building stairs at the local auction mart as he is in construction. So he went and showed her the stairs to the auction mart. And as anyone who's familiar with an auction mart knows that it's loud maybe smells a little bit. And he threw this New York City girl into this environment that she was not quite ready for. 
but she fell in love with it and him and here we are. And here we are, however many years later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your, your dad must be a charming man. <laughs> <laughs> well, she said, if I can grow lilacs, and he said, yes. And she said, I'm moving. So it was, it was the opportunity to have a garden and the animals. So that's what, that's what drew her here as well. And I couldn't agree more. That is very sweet. That is very sweet. So tell us more about your upbringing on the farm. Your dad started this relatively not that long ago. Have you guys always been doing direct sales or how did you come about to where you guys are today? We've always done direct sales quite fluidly, I would guess. Last year, especially, we started doing a lot more of them as many other farms did. And we started to keep back more and more animals just for ourselves as what we would normally do is take all of our steers and then some of our heifers that didn't quite fit into our replacement heifer category and take them to uh, the auction mart or if we had a buyer for them, ship them off to a feedlot. But this year, we've kept back a substantial number to be able to keep for our direct sales as well as us because the increase and demand for local meat has just skyrocketed. So that's a bit more of a recent development. We always did it before, but not to this scale. And then we were in Beef Club, as I mentioned before. And so that really helped us, my brothers and me, get a really good understanding and appreciation for the work that goes into maintaining our cattle herd. And we always had, we were always very involved in feeding the animals when we were younger. And we even got little pit, our dad made little pitchforks for us and little pails out of ketchup cans. So something that we could carry even when we were quite little. But being in 4-H gave us that extra advantage. And when I first started, I was all excited to be in 4-H when I was nine years old. And I thought, I want to be in horse 4-H. That was my goal. And that goal got crushed or my dream got crushed. And I was made to go in the beef 4-H club. And I thought it would be fun. And I enjoyed it. But I think the first year I was still a little bit disappointed that I wasn't able to be in horse 4-H. But as the years went on, I just grew to love it so much. And I pretty much had the maximum amount of projects that I could have in our club. So I would have a steer, a heifer, a two-year-old cow-calf pair, and a three-year-old cow-calf pair. And that was a lot of animals to bring to town, but I absolutely loved it. And I'm so grateful that my stubbornness didn't get the better of me. And I had decided that beef would be the the project that I would stick with. So I'm very glad I did that. No doubt. I think from what I've heard and from what I know of personal family members, I think every nine-year-old girl wanted a horse at some point, even if they were on or off of the farm. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and I had my mare. Yeah, I had my mare, but she was not she was not probably the greatest for 4-H and my dad was in B4-H. So we were all going to be in B4-H. Right, for sure. Well, and as most people know, I feel like horses take a lot of time and even more money than they do anything else on a farm. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. And the lovely thing about B4H is you can really make it as you can make it work for you. So you don't have to be 
a crazy showman to be able to go into before it. You can just be at the level that suits your needs. So I absolutely loved it. And I was quite sad when I hit the maximum age and couldn't be in it anymore. But that's what livestock shows are for. So you can do that throughout your lifetime. Absolutely. I always make the joke that I wish I could go into 4-H. Like I wish that like people who marry into agriculture or first generation farmers have the opportunity to be in 4-H. And people have said, well, why don't you volunteer? I was like, I have nothing to teach them. All of these kids need to teach me all of what they know about livestock. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it's not quite the same. So if you decide that you want to start an adult 4-H club, I will be one of the first to join you. (laughs) Deal. (laughs) We'll meet on that very soon. (laughs) (laughs) You can help support the stories of women in agriculture to be shared through the Rural Woman podcast on Patreon. What is Patreon? It's a membership-based platform that helps fund and support creators like me to create and produce content like this that you all love. New to the Rural Woman Podcast Patreon is ad-free listening and patron-only bonus content and exclusive episodes. Learn more and join the patron gang today at patreon.com slash the Rural Woman Podcast. So Charlotte, you grew up a farm girl and you went off to post-secondary education and you didn't take agriculture, which a lot of farm kids do. Tell us more about your degree and what made you choose the path of education that you did take. So mine is a little bit different than all my peers or all my friends. I had been working starting at the age 16 up until I was I guess for six years, starting from 16, I worked at our local agricultural society as an event coordinator for our local fair. So doing all of the entries, working on, working with all of the exhibitors, getting everything ready for the big event. And once I was graduated and ready to go off to post-secondary, I was not sure what I wanted to do. I didn't really want to go into anything ag focused or anything ag focused that was available to me. And so I took a year off and I'm pretty sure it was during one of our trips to the city when we were delivering beef. We stopped at one of our favorite grocery stores in Edmonton and they have a local food publication. And in that are various ads. And one of the ads was for NATE, which is the Northern Alberta Institute of Technology. And they had an ad in there for their event management program. And my mom showed it to me and said, I think this is exactly what you need. And it was. So I enrolled in their event management program, their digital publishing and visual design. And these are just certificate programs. I don't even have a degree or diploma because unfortunately they don't have those offered really anywhere in Canada. I think there are two places, one in Ontario and one in BC that have event management uh, degrees. But I enrolled for those. I moved to the city. And at that point, I also contacted a friend who works, who worked for Northland. So one of the oldest agricultural societies in 
Canada and the oldest in Alberta. And I got a position there working as an event coordinator while I was taking my event management program. So I did that and I absolutely loved it. And the one fantastic thing about event management is you can tailor it to whatever industry your heart desires. So it can be agriculture, it can be sports, it can be weddings, you can take it any direction you want. And I'm so glad that we found that program and that I was able to take it because I absolutely loved it. And it has given me so many fantastic opportunities and useful skills that I'm able to apply to my current job off the farm, as well as my role on the farm doing some of the events that we have planned uh, this past year and then looking forward to this year as well. That is awesome. And like you said, this path that you took is obviously not the same as a lot of farm kids and taking agriculture in a post-secondary way, but you have utilized it and kind of molded it to what it needs to be in agriculture for you guys to be successful on your mm-hmm. farm with your farm events. And like you mentioned, 2020 was a big year for you guys on your farm for direct marketing and also for events. So let's talk more about, let's just go back to 2020. We're in 2021 now. It is past. We are, <laughs> <laughs> the future is bright. <laughs> Walk us through 2020 and the adjustments that were made to excel your family's farm and the events that you guys hosted or tried to host in 2020? Mm -hmm. Well, it was definitely the year where events were not. That was 2020. But for the farm, we hosted our first couple of events, including Open Farm Days in August. So Open Farm Days is a province-wide initiative started by Alberta Agriculture to get rural and urbanites out to farms, whether they're only a five-minute drive or maybe a couple-hour drive to get everyone exposed to agriculture in the province. And the agriculture can be so diverse from apiaries to a grain farm to a beef farm to an urban farm. So the whole goal is to just get people out, get them learning, get them understanding how food is grown and raised. So we took part in 2020 for our first time, and it was absolutely incredible. We had 151 people attend, and so there were the specific provincial guidelines that we had to adhere to for COVID, but then we took those guidelines and put more into place just for our farm and just to make it easier to get everyone in the group to hear what we're talking about and to see everything that's happening. So we had groups of 30 for each hour and we walked them around the farm. We toured the chickens. We had uh, chicks that I had hatched out specifically for open farm days. So I counted back 21 days and the day before open farm days, pretty much all of them hatched. So I had less than day old baby chicks on hand for all the kids and the adults to hold and touch. Uh, We checked out the cattle. They fed the horse. We walked them around our broiler chickens and our meat turkeys. So gave everyone an immersive experience of how our working farm operates. 
And then they got to come back. We had a little pop-up market. So we had our farm products and then we invited a local cheesery to be set up as well. So they had their cheeses on hand and we had the most perfect weather. And I had a few of my friends from the city who I had worked with previously at Northland for all of our events. So they came down. So it was such a fantastic day. And I'm so glad we were able to host it. And we are looking forward to planning it again this year. That's awesome. What was the overall reaction from your guests from Open Farm Days? Had had any of them been to a farm before or had they been to a farm and they just wanted to come back and relive the memories? Like what was the overall reaction from the guests? I think in 2020, the many people going out to farms maybe changed slightly from previous years where in 2020, people were just wanting to get, get out and do something, but still they had to go and visit or at least have some interest. And we took attendance and we made sure we counted where everyone had traveled from. And so we were able to get a count of where everyone drove from. And so about 50% was from our area in Vermilion. And then about 50% was from the Edmonton area. So people made a good four-hour round-trip drive to get here. And that was just so incredible and everyone who came up to us afterwards said it was such a great learning opportunity they didn't know that there were colored eggs because I have a whole flock of hens who lay olive and pink and dark brown eggs so showing them that not all eggs are just brown and white or getting them up close and personal with some of our steers and so giving them that chance to be within a couple of feet from the cattle. So just immersing them in new experiences and giving them the opportunity to see how we raise all of our animals. And that goes for all of the farms at Open Farm Days. It's just giving people that opportunity to come on the farm, which unlike I think other industries, farms don't always get the same curiosity that maybe some other industries do where if you're interested in learning about maybe clothing or different industries, you might be able to go to the place where they're made and you can go take a tour and see how that's done. But I think in farming, people are a little bit more wary or they feel like if we ask to come on your farm, it's like someone asking, well, I just want to come visit your house, Caitlin. I want to see how you decorate your house. I think it's a very personal um thing for people to ask or even consider. So when you give them the opportunity, like Open Farm Days, they're going to jump at it because otherwise they're maybe a little bit hesitant to ask, oh, can I visit your farm? Because they might think you'll say no, where the opposite usually should be true. Absolutely. And I think for the most part, the opposite is true. But like you said, when people ask to come to your farm, it's like opening the door to your house for them to come and see. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that for some farmers I know can be uncomfortable. But I think as a person coming into agriculture from the outside, I always just think like we have nothing to hide. We have nothing to be ashamed of, of how we grow your food. And if people are curious that should almost be like a compliment. Like they want to know what you're doing. They want to know how their food is grown because our industry is like no other. And as we 
kind of journey on through 2020 and 2021, like there's going to be more and more people who are interested of where their food is coming from because of the scarcity that we had for a few months of the shelves being empty. And why was that? Where was the food? And knowing that there was cattle in people's yards or in their feedlots, but there was no beef in the grocery store. So getting that connection, I think, moving forward is going to be so much more important. Oh, absolutely. And I think you hit the nail on the head precisely. And I think I have a little bit of a a different perspective than, say, my brothers do. Working in events and working in agricultural events, I did a lot of extra events or extra programs within an event focused on ag education and so giving people the opportunity at a livestock show or at a agricultural fair to give them an understanding of how uh, your food is produced. So looking at it that way, but on on your farm, on your own turf. So that was a fun challenge for me as well. Absolutely. So you guys also offer virtual tours of your farm, which I know was a big thing in 2020 for a lot of people. So tell us more about how you started offering these tours and what's the reaction that you've received and what can people expect on a virtual farm tour? Mm -hmm. Well, I've almost been doing virtual farm tours now for a year because I started them in March in 2020, just as the lockdown in Alberta started. And I got the idea from the Cincinnati Zoo. They were doing uh, at-home safaris. So every week they would pick an animal and they would focus on that animal and they would go on Facebook Live and have all of their followers come and interact with them and they would speak about that animal. And I was thinking, why can't I do that? And so I did. And so our tours are a little bit different. I wouldn't just focus on one particular animal because with a zoo, it's a little bit easier to focus on that. More people are maybe have, have, have less knowledge about zebras or ostriches, but might be more familiar with some farm animals. So instead of featuring individual animals, I would do a whole tour of the farm. And because I started the tours in March when we were calving, there would always be a brand new baby every time I would pick up my phone and start doing the tours. And I remember one of my first ones, I was, I think I was feeding our bottle calves because we had two bottle calves at the time, Hershey and Bits, who were just fan favorites, of course. And I was done feeding them. And my brother, who was checking on the cows at the time, drove over in the ranger and he said to me, one of the cows is having her calf right now. So I walked over as I'm still doing the Facebook Live. And we sat and we watched the cow for a little bit. And she had been pushing for a while. And it seemed like she hadn't been making any progress. So we have our calving barn. So I just set up my phone in one of the corners facing the cow. And she was one of our... We, all of our cattle are quite calm, but she was one of the really calm ones. So we didn't even have to put her in the maternity pen. We just put the chains on her as she was laying down in the pen. And we pulled the calf right on Facebook Live and everyone just went crazy over it. And unfortunately, I was never able to catch 
any other cows having calves right during our Facebook Live. So that was pretty special. And I continue doing the farm tours throughout the summer, maybe with a little less frequency because people were able to go outside on their own. There were opportunities for them to do other things rather than just be at home. So the tours went down a little bit, but I was fairly busy with doing personal tours or tours for groups. They were classes or just mom talk groups. And now with restrictions, more restrictions coming into place again, I've been trying to add more tours to our Facebook Live. And I've been doing quite a few ones for groups and schools, including our local homeschooling group. I'm doing one for them this Saturday on animals in the winter. So telling the kids how animals cope with outside in the winter in our climate, what chores look like. I have one tomorrow for a family in Scotland. I've done tours for classes in Georgia. I did one for a camp in Ontario. So it's just been incredible to see the the scope of how far our farm has been able to travel virtually. And it's not just the kids whose faces light up or smiles. It's anyone from the ages one to 100. And sometimes the parents are even more excited than the kids are. So it's just fun to be able to share the farm with others, especially when normally we'd have our family over and a couple of my cousins now have babies and they're just getting to the age where they can understand what all the animals are. But we even haven't haven't been able to have them over. So this is a, a fun opportunity to be able to give that connection to our cousins and friends, no matter where they are. So I'm so glad that I saw that idea and decided to do the tours because certainly they've been fun too. And there've been things that I've learned along the way and even myself getting more comfortable with being on camera. Whenever I, especially when I started doing the tours, I rarely showed my face at all because I thought, People don't want to look at me. They want to see Hershey and Kiss. They want to see Lizzie, our dog. They want to see the cat. But as soon as I decide, ah, maybe I'll show my face a little bit more, I had more people interacting and they would comment below and they would send messages afterwards and it would be like we'd met or we were long friends for a long time, but we had never met in person. It was just through the Facebook Live. So that was very special. That is very cool. And I have a whole other list of questions that I've just made for you that we're going to record for the <laughs> Patreon exclusive because I want to know more about virtual tours. So. <laughs> <laughs> you have heard me tell you all about the amazing benefits that come with being a patron of the Rural Woman podcast through Patreon but I wanted to share with you a few testimonials from the patron gang themselves. Patron Marina writes, I decided to become a patron of the Rural Woman podcast because I felt a deep connection to all of these women. Being new to the agricultural world, I didn't have a lot of knowledge about other aspects of the egg world. 
this podcast opens my eyes to how women near and far grow and succeed in their roles. It makes me feel like I'm part of a bigger picture and I feel as if I have the support of all of these women as I support this podcast and in return, sharing their beautiful stories. Join Marina in supporting the stories of women in agriculture through the Rural Woman podcast starting at $2 a month on Patreon. Visit wildrosefarmer.com Patreon to learn more. Well, while I was doing my research for our interview today, we chatted about this a little bit before we started recording, but you guys are doing a new initiative uh, and it's called Chatworth Farm Through the Seasons. Tell us more about that because Mm -hmm. this is also something that I am very excited for you guys for. Oh, well, it came about through open farm days and one of our visitors was just so excited to visit and she was in one of our last groups and I actually wasn't able to meet her during the event. So my brother was the one who did the the tour and they had pretty much a personal tour because they were the last ones and I think it almost was an hour when usually the tours were about 30 minutes. And she just loved it so much that afterwards she messaged me and she said, oh, I had such a great time. Thank you so much. And I said, I'm glad you could come. And she said, my mom jokingly said to me that I need a farm visit subscription. And I thought, why not do that? So we had our first farm visit in September. So it was a harvest themed one. And unfortunately, the weather did not cooperate. So we weren't able to have the combines in action because it was a little bit too wet. But I went out and I cut wheat by hand. And I had it in our garage drying so people could make their own wheat sheaves. And so they could see kind of the process of how a combine works by just crushing up the heads of the and then exposing we did a tour of the farm and because harvest is not complete without a harvest meal we did instead of a meal in the field we had a meal in our shop we had it all cleared out we had tables set up and our big door was open so everyone was able to eat their lunch while the geese and the chickens were wandering through the yard so we're doing five tours throughout the year so it's to give people a full cycle of what the farm looks like throughout the season. So we had our harvest one. We're hoping to do one this month, so probably the end of this month. And now with the new restrictions, we're just seeing how everyone feels about coming together for that because technically that is a social gathering and we're not allowed to have social gatherings. So it might be an online tour just to give everyone an update of what's happening at the farm. And then what we would do is give them a little something instead of, because usually we'd like to give them a taste of the farm, whether that's like the meal we had for the meal in the field. So deliver something to their doorstep and give them a recipe so they can make it at home. And then the next tour is going to be, so following the January, we'll have one with calving Uh, in May for lambing and then in about June for when all the cattle are out on pasture. So to kind of do a June cookout in the pasture, which is one of our favorite things to do. And we think everyone will enjoy that as well. 
And then the last part of their tour will be open farm days. So kind of a really big production of all of the farm all at once. So the first one went so well and we had visitors from Edmonton who came out and we had local families and it was just such a fun day to get everyone here at the farm. It was just a very small crowd and so it was a very one-on-one tour of the farm. They could ask their questions. The animals are definitely more comfortable with smaller crowds rather than a big one like open farm days. So they, we had cats following us for the whole walk around the yard. So everyone loved that and just gives people that idea of what a farm looks like throughout the seasons, because with many and especially ours, it changes a lot through the whole year. And so giving everyone that um, view of what a farm looks like from Jan to Jan. So We're really happy and hopefully we can do our January one in person. Charlotte, this is like brilliant. And I just think that this is such (laughs) a great idea. And like you said, like it changes so much from season to season or even month to month. And the questions that I get Mm -hmm. from my non-agriculture friends of, well, what are you guys doing? Like, are you guys busy right now? Are you guys not busy right now? Or they just think we're always busy doing things and we don't have off seasons. And like, this is such a great way to give the outsiders the perspective of what actually happens on the farm 365 days a year. And obviously it's different from farm to farm, but for your operation specifically, for these people to have this one-on-one connection with you and your family and your land. Like, I just think this is like so beautiful and such an amazing idea. So good on you guys for doing this. Oh, thank you. Well, and I know that even through the virtual tours, everyone gets to see the farm through different seasons, but there were some people who had watched the virtual tours and then came here for the in-person ones. And they said, oh, we didn't actually, they couldn't grasp the scale or where I was because when you're looking at it online, when I'm walking, maybe part of the tour is just on me as I'm walking in pen. So it's really hard to grasp the whole farm as like 3D rather than just me on a screen. So even that is a good opportunity to get to get people physically there and seeing the whole process and even getting the cattle out during the summer. And one thing for my virtual tours during the summer, I rarely showed cattle because I would do the tours here at our farmyard. And pretty much all of the cattle are in different pastures, which are between 30 minutes to an hour's drive away. I wasn't always able to get there. And the cell connection in those pastures is usually quite bad. So I can't even show them if we go there to check on them. So having people come for the the visits gives them that kind of extra special opportunity to go out there, have a hot dog, sit on one of the hills, look down at the beautiful Vermilion River that flows through one of our pastures and watch the cattle graze below. So I'm I'm looking forward to that because I think everyone will just be in awe of the simplistic beauty that is around us. Totally. Absolutely. Charlotte, you have given me way too many ideas today, and I'm sure the other <laughs> listeners agree. My husband thanks you. 
Charlotte, my last question for you is what is the most rewarding part about being a farmer for you? Like everyone has said on your podcast before, this is such a hard one, but I think that giving you that urge to get up in the morning and go outside and feed the animals is sometimes it might feel like a chore, but while I was living in the city, I missed that. I missed having that purpose and something other than myself to go feed. So the animals can provide for us, but they also give us so much more than just maybe a steak or eggs. Um, they give you that companionship. They give you that comfort. And sometimes if you're just having a not so great day, you can go out there and play with the cat or I'll go for a ride on my horse and it'll just make me feel so much better about my day or about how I'm feeling. So being on a farm is just such a special opportunity and I'm grateful for being able to be raised on one. For sure. So good. Thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your story with us. For the listeners who would like to connect with you after the show, where can they find you online? Our farm Instagram is Chatsworth underscore farm. And then you can find us with the same name, Chatsworth Farm on Facebook and Twitter as well. And our website is chatsworthfarm.ca. If somebody's looking to book a virtual tour with you or participate in your on-farm tours, what's the best way to get a hold of you? They can just go to our website and we have a page on there about all the virtual tours and then the farm. And right now I am working from home. So it is a good time to book a tour because I can almost do it anytime. But usually weekends are the best if I go back to working in town. That is wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on here today and sharing your story with us. I have so appreciated it and I know my audience has too. Oh, thank you so much, Caitlin. It was an absolute pleasure. I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode with Charlotte from Chatsworth Farm. Isn't she incredible? She has so many great and innovative ideas of how to share her story in agriculture with the general public and people from all around the world. So thank you again, Charlotte, so much for sharing all of your wisdom with us here on the podcast today. I couldn't stop picking Charlotte's brain. So we did, in fact, record an extended episode. So you guys can head on over to the Patreon and listen to the rest of our conversation. I asked Charlotte how she actually is conducting these live tours and broadcasting them around the world. What worked for Charlotte and maybe what things she would have done differently in regards to offering virtual tours. And I asked her what makes a successful farm tour? What are people actually liking and what are they getting involved in and excited about? And I wanted to know how she actually booked farm tours as far away as Nigeria, all the way from Vermilion, Alberta. <laughs> And I think most importantly, one thing that we really talk about is we discuss the psychology of farm cats, because for whatever reason, the general public really like farm cats. <laughs> so we dig into that because that 
obviously is important and what we're here for. <laughs> so if you guys want to hear this extended portion of today's interview, you can head on over to wildrosefarmer.com and learn more about how you can become a patron through Patreon. These exclusive extended episodes as well as future exclusive interviews are available for the patrons at the $10 tier or higher. These patrons are also getting ad-free listening on their favorite listening device. So if that sounds good to you, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com and learn more about how you can become a patron through Patreon. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning into this week's episode. I will see you back here real soon. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. A special thanks to our Patreon executive producer, Sarah Reedner of Happiness by the Acre, and to my editor, Max Hofer. For show notes, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com. You can connect with me on social media using the handle at wildrosefarmer on all platforms. If you love the show, make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts, plus share it with a friend. We'll see you next time.